Our reading today will be from 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 12, verses 12 to 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of God because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And... If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Uh, Dearly Father, show us in your word today your will and purposes for suffering. Help us to understand suffering and teach us how to respond when suffering comes. Um, Suffering isn't just a distant concept, Uh, it's a reality that many of us are facing and will face. Uh, So please let your word become true and lived out in the lives of people here today. Let those who aren't going through suffering now be prepared for when it comes, and let those who are in the thick of it rejoice and deepen all of our trust and faith in you through it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, For those of you who are bulletin people and take notes, a bit of a printing error there. The title there should be uh, Suffering While Doing Good, and the passage is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 19. And the main question that we're trying to answer today is, how will you respond to suffering? Uh, Peter gives us the instruction manual of how to respond, uh, and he gives us three instructions that he wants us to follow. Three instructions. We should expect it. We should rejoice in it. And we should trust God in it. We need to expect it, we need to rejoice in it, and we need to trust God in it. Uh, So let's get into number one. Right at the start of the passage, expect it. Read with me in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to test you, as as though something strange were happening to you. Uh, People are always surprised when suffering comes. Uh, A death of a family member losing your job, a cancer diagnosis. And they think, I knew it would happen, but it would never happen. I didn't know it would happen to me. Peter says, do not be surprised. And specifically, don't be surprised when you get a hard time for following Jesus. He gives us insight to what's going on. He gives us a peek behind the curtain. Uh, And because understanding suffering is a big part to actually responding to it. Uh, So what does he say suffering is? Fire. It's fire. Verse 12, suffering is a fiery trial. Uh, Peter is trying to pick up two important ideas from saying this. It's purifying and it's testing. Uh, The fiery trial is a term borrowed from the Old Testament, uh, and it's used of a furnace where gold or silver would be purified and refined. 
Uh, I read a story about a silversmith uh, describing the process of this refining fire. And someone asked the silversmith, how do you know that the metal that you've put in um, has been in there long enough? Uh, And he says, when you put the metal in, there's pure and impure parts and they're linked together. You can't tell when one part starts and one part ends, uh, when the temperature is normal. The fire burns away the impure, the worthless parts, and the pure states. The silversmith says, I know when the silver is pure, because I look into it and I can see my reflection staring back. And that's what God does to us. He puts us in the fire, he puts us in the fire, he puts us in the fire until he can see his own image reflected in us. Uh, And it's a test. It's not a test like your UQ exams that want you to fail. Uh, It's a test to actually reveal and show uh, what's really there. It, It wants to reveal and show the worth of what's really there. Things that you wouldn't have been able to see if the fire and the suffering weren't there. So I want us to take away that suffering is there Um, for us to be refined uh, and purified so that we can not be surprised by it. If you don't get what suffering is and you don't expect it, you're going to be destroyed by it. It's not suffering that destroys people. It's actually suffering plus surprise. It's the suffering that comes to you and you're thinking, how can this be happening to me? Why, God? Doesn't it say that you'd love me? What's going on? I've done this and this and this and that. You're going to be destroyed if suffering comes to you and you're not expecting it. I know there's some of you who have had lives that are pretty comfortable and sheltered. Um, Don't be naive to think that you're going to be able to remember the theology behind suffering. If you haven't put in the time to think about it, and prepare yourself for it beforehand. Uh, when a crisis comes to you, you're not going to be able to say, stop, everything, stop. I just want to go to the beach for a day or a few just to read my Bible and understand and prepare myself uh, and understand all the suffering that's going on and what God's purpose is behind it. Um, yeah, that's the case for me. Uh, when my dad died, I wasn't prepared. Uh, I didn't cope. I wish someone prepared me beforehand. Uh, When everything happened, my brain was so numb. I didn't know what to think. I didn't have theology to lean back into and understand what was going on. So prepare yourself now for when suffering comes. And when it does come, the things you've learnt and understood about suffering will show and reveal itself. Instruction number two, rejoice. Um, Rejoice and be glad. Peter gives four reasons why you can rejoice. Number one, because you share in Christ's sufferings. Number two, because you get future glory. Number three, because you're blessed with his spirit. And number four, because you have it better than the rest. So, rejoice, because reason one, you share in Christ's sufferings. Uh, In verse 13, uh, the fiery trial is called sharing in Christ's suffering. In verse 14, it's being insulted for the name of Christ. Uh, In verse 16, it's suffering as a Christian. 
So the suffering that is coming is because believers are living for Jesus and living like Jesus. Uh, we saw that in the last sermon in First Peter. The world is surprised when you don't join in with the flood of debauchery and evil that they're doing. And they hurt Christians who are living like Jesus. You're not seen as the good guys anymore. Christians are seen as the bad guys. Just like Jesus was seen as a worse criminal than Barabbas, a murderer that we heard last week. You're bullied, accused of being bigoted and hateful. This isn't just any general suffering. Uh, and this sort of suffering is not what Peter talks about in verse 15 and 16. If we jump down there now, it's not suffering because of your sin or because you've stuffed up. Uh, he says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. And you know what a meddler is. It's like a busybody. Body. He's saying, if you kill someone, don't complain when people are a little bit mad at you. <laughs> Or, if you steal something from someone, don't be surprised that they don't want you house-sitting their dog. In those cases, don't rejoice because you're suffering. Don't expect to be blessed or refined. That is very different than, suffering, uh, than sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Peter is talking about sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And he's saying that it isn't strange or surprising if you do. You see, you haven't gone the wrong way if you're suffering like Christ did um, because those bad things are happening to you. Rather, it's a clear indicator that you're living like Jesus. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Peter's words struck close to home. Uh, you would have heard Pastor Steve come up here and give an announcement to the whole church. Uh, we were in the media uh, but not quite in a good way. Uh, we were caught in this RI storm. Uh, one of the groups against RI in Brisbane, uh, they took evidence from all sorts of different churches and pulled video clips, uh, and our church was one of them. Uh, and they used that to make a case against RI uh, in Queensland schools, which Nine News then reported on. Uh, I remember being woken up that day when the news broke and it's like ding 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 my phone is popping off like crazy and I'm thinking who likes me this much to be messaging me all this uh, but no it's a ch SLE church council trying to frantically um, figure out how to respond to the situation I read with trying to get my eyes open the best I can after waking up and I read SLE thrown into the, the RI media storm I see Ben sending a link to the video of evidence that the opposition's put together, and I'm thinking in my head, please don't be me in that video. Please don't be me. <laughs> <laughs> I open up the link, and it's... It's Sonia. <laughs> phew, phew, massive... That, that's my initial reaction. My initial reaction is phew, but, but no. No, my heart breaks for Sonia. It's, it's terrible. She's just minding her own business. She's living for Christ and doing, doing good. But then her video clip gets taken and used in such a terrible way. 
people are commenting all sorts of nasty things on the internet, like you know they do. And I asked Sonia what she felt about it when all that happened. She says it's stress and heartbreak and sadness and wondering what she could have done wrong. At that point, Sonia's in the fire. That's what the fiery trial looks like. Then I asked her what got her through it. She said she remembered the words of Jesus that, that Jesus said to his disciples. He said, A servant is not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That's the same thing that Peter is trying to say in this passage. That as you suffer for being like Christ, you're sharing in his sufferings. And if you're sharing in the sufferings of Christ now, like Sonia, you can rejoice because reason number two, you get glory in the future. Suffering now, glory later. Uh, We rejoice when we suffer because on that future day, when Jesus returns in all his glory, everything will be worth it. All the suffering you've endured for Christ will be proven to be worth it. Jesus knows what you've been through and he remembers it. You'll see Jesus Christ on that final day and he'll look you in the eye and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And all the things that you've been through and that have endured will actually make you savor those words more and more as you would enjoy Jesus for all of eternity. And to, that, and to Peter, that future glory uh, that's coming one day is so certain and so secure that you can rejoice now in the present time. So reason number one, rejoice because you suffer like Christ. And number, reason number two, rejoice because you have future glory. And now reason number three, uh, rejoice because you are blessed with Christ's spirit. Let's read verse 14. You are ins- if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because, God's spirit, uh, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Uh, second half of the verse, a little tricky to understand, but let's, let's work through it. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, that is, being insulted for being Christian, people are trying to bring you down. They're trying to make you feel worthless. You're weird. You're hateful. You're bigoted. People are cursing you. Uh, but Peter, like a jiu-jitsu move, he turns that completely on its head. He does not 180. And he says, you're not cursed like the world says. You're blessed. You have glory. Why is that? Because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. The same spirit that came down and rested on your Lord Jesus rests upon you. Uh, when you're suffering for Christ, suffering for his name, uh, you actually know you can be- you, that you belong to Christ in those moments and God's spirit lives in you. Uh, that's because what's happening to you is only happening because you belong to Christ. Uh, it's actually a proof and a sign that you are like Jesus. And that same spirit that belonged to him and led to his glory belongs to you to strengthen you uh, to, while you suffer and will lead you to glory as well. 
It's one of the reasons that Christians can flourish during suffering and not crumble because they have God's presence resting upon them. Uh, now, you guys might remember a couple years back, we had one of the Singaporean students. His name was Leekai. He's a tall, basketball-playing guy. He had the biggest smile and the most beautiful teeth, which he got from studying dentistry. Um, he just really wanted to show it off all the time. Uh, and you know what's crazy? He became a Christian through reading this verse here. Uh, the story was that he'd been invited to church for about a year at that point in time. People were reaching out to him. And actually, everything about Christianity was fitting together. It makes sense of the meaning of life. It makes sense of his purpose. That's got the evidence and history and all that backing behind it. But he couldn't become Christian. You see, he was from a staunch Buddhist family, and his parents and friends were so against Christianity that when he first told his mom that he went to church one day, his mom couldn't sleep at all that whole night. She was so disappointed, so stressed, so worried that Christianity was going to take him away from their family. So there's no way that Lekai could have become a Christian. He cares for his family too much. But then comes this passage. Lekai's at YF. He's at Pastor Ben's house on one of the couches there. And he's doing Bible study on one of the couches. They read out the passage and they work through the Bible study. And as they're working through it, people can see something weird's going on. They see this guy staring at his Bible for like pretty much the whole hour and not looking after him. People are probably whispering to each other, is this guy okay? He just seems to be looking at his Bible the whole time. But he's reading through this verse again and again and again in his mind. And he's thinking over what that means for him. All the insult that he's receiving from his family and his, from his friends back in Singapore, is it worth it? And then he got to the end of the study, and they talked to Pastor Ben, and he says, I want to become a Christian. At that point in time, he realized that all the insult for following Christ, all the suffering that he would go through, is incredibly worth it. And at that point in time, they just stop the Bible study, they end it, no application, no prayer. Application is that they're just rejoicing and being glad that Lekai has come to Christ. Lots of whooping and cheers. I'm sure the other Bible study groups are wondering what's going on. Um, But that's what the Spirit does to people. It makes all the suffering worth it. It helps people endure the suffering. And five years from now, since that night, I'm sure he would say it's still worth it. Isn't that worth rejoicing over? Uh, Finally, the last reason to rejoice, because you have it better than the rest. Let's jump down to verse 17 and 18, where Peter gives another another argument. Let me read it out. Uh, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? 
Uh, it sounds a little bit tricky, uh, but I think the argument that Peter's making is pretty similar uh, to the argument that my mom used to give me at the dinner table when I was upset about eating her roast pumpkins that was mushy and had no seasoning. She says, you think eating your vegetables is bad? Think about those other kids in poverty. But you're saying, you think your suffering's bad? Think about those who don't know Jesus. For us, for the household of God, judgment starts with us. We get this judgment of of suffering now. Uh, We get the fiery trial to refine us, to purify us, to test us and show us uh, what's really there. And its goal is to make us more and more like Jesus. Uh, It prepares us to enjoy Him forever as we enjoy our salvation. But for those who do not know God and don't obey His gospel, for the ungodly and the sinner, they'll be facing the fire of the full wrath and judgment from God in hell. And the purpose of that fire isn't refining, it's destruction. Uh, I don't say that lightly. If you're someone who isn't a Christian and here with us today, can I say, um, thank you for being here. But I also want to say this to you in all, all love. The suffering that you're going to face in this world is nothing compared to the suffering that you're going to find on that final day when Jesus returns to judge the world. God created humans to seek Him and find Him and worship Him with their lives. But people have chosen to turn their back on God and say, I want to live life my own way. I want to follow my own desires and passions. I want to make my own sets of rule. I won't shy away from saying that the Bible says that God is angry with that. You won't see God's wrath now, but he's storing up that judgment against evil until Jesus returns in his glory to judge the world. And when that happens, you won't experience a refiner's fire that's there to strengthen and purify, but the fires of hell, where the flames never stop or go out, where your body and your soul will be destroyed in fire. So I want to beg you and plead with you to come and trust and follow Jesus. Yes, it looks hard when you look at your Christian friend's life, when you see that this, the sort of suffering that they go through. But I can tell you that it's undeniably worth it. There's two choices in front of you. You face the refining and purifying fires now with Jesus or face the destroying fires of hell later with, without him. Uh, if you're not a Christian, I don't want you walking away from the sermon thinking, great, I've got three tools that I can use to handle suffering. Those are for Christians. I want you to please think and consider choosing to follow Jesus with your life. And if you need more time or space to do that, or information to follow Jesus, please check out our life course that's starting on Thursday. Uh, for the Christian, 
You taste God's diluted judgment now. But please continue to think about those who don't know Jesus and persevere in living as an ambassador for him. So, four reasons why the Christian can rejoice in suffering. Number one, you share in Christ's sufferings, you have future glory, you're blessed, and you have it better than the rest. Four reasons to rejoice. Uh, But what does rejoicing in suffering look like? Does it mean clapping your hands when suffering comes? Does it mean not grieving, trying to ignore it? Uh, Does it mean you go out and actually actively seek out pain? No, rejoicing means that when the world feels like it's crumbling around you, you can sing the same words of the song we sang just now, and it, it is well with my soul. Because you know what God is doing to you and that he has you in his arms. It means in your hour of darkness, being able to think, wow, I'm following the pattern of my king and my savior, Jesus. I'll have his glory as well, and I have his spirit. Uh, I used to think that the biggest compliment that people could give me was, man, you shoot, you shoot basketball like Michael Jordan, or you sing like Taylor Swift. Uh, but no, there's actually someone I'd much rather be associated with. My hope is that one day someone comes up to me and they say, wow, you suffer like your King Jesus. As Peter is writing these words, they're not empty. He lived it out. Uh, It's amazing that in my previous sermon in Acts 5, we actually saw this happening. Uh, Peter and the other followers have been put on trial, insulted, and nearly beaten to death. And this was their response in Acts 5, that they left the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Christ. You see, if you admire and love someone tremendously, and you get lumped together in the same, same boat as them, uh, if you're walking the same shoes as them, you can rejoice. So last of all, uh, the climatic instruction, the one that sums up the rest of the passage uh, in verse 19. Therefore, because of everything you now understand about suffering, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Entrust your souls to a faithful creator. Uh, Let's focus in on those key words. I spent some time thinking, uh, why uh, why does Peter choose the specific words of faithful creator here? Couldn't he have chosen wonderful God or good savior, wonderful father? I think it's because suffering makes you feel like everything is out of your control. You know who is in control? The one who created the whole universe and the one who sustains it forever. He has the power to make the universe out of nothing and is still in control over everything. And we know that this God is for us. He is faithful to our prom- his promises, and he's faithful to his people. We've seen that in the Bible, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, to the kings, to the prophets, 
to the apostles, to the Gentiles, and to us. We know that God is a faithful creator. Therefore, the instruction is, trust him. Uh, when you are going through suffering, who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust yourself? That's silly. No, commit yourself to God and put yourself in his arms. You can trust him. Uh, to the high school student whose schoolmates are bullying you or smearing bird poop on your bag because you're a Christian, trust God. To the wary Christian who's constantly burning themselves out for the sake of God and for other people. Trust God in that suffering. Uh, to the new Christian whose parents are making fun of them and make them feel like a failure because they're a Christian. Trust God. To the regretful Christian who's made decisions that make no sense in the eyes of the world. Trust God. Trust your faithful creator you can trust him in your suffering. You can even trust him in your death. We follow the example of our Lord Jesus. Uh, at Easter, we heard Luke 23 read out. Jesus was on the cross for hours in excruciating agony. And what did he cry out with his last breath? Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. The same words. He trusted a faithful creator who raises him back to life. He trusts the one who has control over life and suffering and everything. Uh, so that leads us back to our starting question. How will you respond to suffering when it comes? Will you crumble? Will you be paralyzed in shock? Will you stop praying? Will you stop coming to church or serving other people? Will you wallow in self-pity? Will you turn your back on God? Or will you be so deeply strengthened and armed with the words of God that you will be refined, strengthened, and purified through it? Uh, Peter gives three instructions on how to handle suffering as a Christian. And if you've been asleep for the, the rest of the sermon, I just want you to wake up to hear these three instructions that he gives. Three things I want you to remember about suffering. Expect it, rejoice, and trust God. Expect, rejoice, and trust. I'm going to pray that those three things transform your suffering when it comes. And if you're currently suffering, that those three things become realities for you. Let's pray. Faithful creator, we pray that in our hours of testing under the fiery trial of suffering, that we won't be surprised, that we won't be beat down in despair, but rather you would help us heed Peter's words to us today, that we should expect suffering, that we should rejoice in it, and that we should trust you in it. Prepare us, Lord, for these times. We pray for those who are currently suffering. Help them to see how you are refining them through it, how they share in Christ's sufferings, how sweet future glory will be, and how your spirit rests on them, and how they have salvation. Please transform their suffering and help us to trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.